0: When I think of you, your career, what you've done, beginning when you were a student, a young aide in the White House, governor, uh, cabinet secretary, senator, I think of seriousness of purpose, reason, rationality, problem solving. Yeah. And sometimes, when you look at the Washington we live in right now, not just the Congress, but in this White House, it's the opposite of that.
1: That's true. And, and that's not what government's supposed to do. Welcome to CNBC's
0: Speakeasy podcast. I'm John Harwood. Speakeasy is my conversation with decision makers in national politics, in-depth, relaxed, revealing who they are and what drives them. This week, I talk with Lamar Alexander, the Republican senator from Tennessee, who's trying to calm the Obamacare storms with a bipartisan fix to stabilize insurance premiums. We sat down in Nashville's songwriting mecca, the Bluebird Cafe.
1: If all, if all I wanted to do was make a speech or shout, I'd go to a street corner or buy a radio station. But I but I want to get a result. And that's harder to do today. A few years ago, we talked when
0: you had made the decision to quit the Republican leadership. Mm-hmm. You said at that time that you felt you would be freer to solve problems mm-hmm. if you were not in the leadership.
1: How's that worked out? It's been, it, it, it has done that. I mean. Fixing No Child Left Behind, that took a few years. President Obama said it was a Christmas miracle when we got it done. The smaller bill that Senator Murray of Washington State and I worked out to to try to to stabilize the individual insurance market, bring premiums down, avoid chaos, which we hope the President will sign. Is that going to work? I, I believe it will. I think the country could use a bipartisan solution on health care and it wouldn't hurt the president and Congress one bit to enact
0: one. He seems in many ways to be a polar opposite from you. You have a president who doesn't give any evidence of knowing what's in the bill that you guys are, have worked out uh, or having a, caring much about the content of the bill. Sometimes he says, let's do it. Sometimes he says, let's don't. He'll tweet one thing, tweet another thing.
1: Um, how do you navigate that process? Lamar Alexander isn't president. I tried to be, and the people chose Donald Trump at a different time. So the president called me in this case, and he said, I think we need a bipartisan solution on health care so people aren't hurt for the next couple of years. Why don't you work with Senator Murray and see if you can do one? We've done our job. It's sitting there at the White House wrapped up in a nice package. Well, what about... Fellow Republicans in the House and in the Senate. I think if the President supports it, it'll be a part of the end of the year package. We see premiums going through the roof. So, for the next two years, we ought to be able to agree that we're going to stabilize that. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in the Bluebird Cafe. Most songwriters don't have health insurance because they can't afford it. If they do have it, in Tennessee, their premiums went up 176% in the last four years and 58% this next year. So, What this little bill would do is take those premiums down, not up. So does that mean the
0: entire game for you in particular, not so much Senator Murray, is to be the last person to talk to President Trump to get him to go like this instead of go like that?
1: We're going to say, Mr. President, uh, you ask us to do this. Uh, You don't want chaos, neither do we. Uh, Sign it, take some credit for it and give the American people a bipartisan win. I think they'll like it. Let me talk
0: a little bit about your party and I was looking back at the causes that you've advanced over Mm -hmm. your career from when you were a student, civil rights, education, economic development. What do you think about where your party is headed and the set of priorities
1: that the party is embodying right now? On taxes, I think we're right where we ought to be. It's a middle income tax cut. People in every category get some lower taxes. But more importantly, it'll take the handcuffs, handcuffs off job creators and, and allow them to grow. I mean, the cutting the corporate rate from 35 to 20, allowing you to cap to expense the things you buy immediately, that doesn't sound like front page news. But what it should do in Tennessee is raise family incomes in every category most people will get a middle-income tax cut ninety percent of the people will use the standard deduction the childcare tax credit will be doubled and there should be more good-paying jobs more competition for employees which means wages go up what about the argument from Marco Rubio and Mike Lee that uh,
0: if you gave a little bit less money for people at the top you could make a larger child credit, and you could make it refundable against the payroll tax for people who do not have income tax liability.
1: It's hard to take much more from people at the top when 10 percent of the people pay 70 percent of the taxes. What you really need is a growing economy that produces more revenues. That's more money for the government, and that's more money in your wallet. We already have substantial deficits.
0: We're already on track to have 10 trillion in deficits in the next 10 years. Uh, you got more
1: and more people coming on Medicare and Social Security. What gives afterwards? Nobody likes to cut entitlements, but I think the Republican Party should and always has say said we want to reduce the growth of government, increase the amount of money in your pocketbook, and and reduce the federal debt. That I think is a winning formula. When well, we had that conversation six years
0: ago, when you left the leadership, you s- told me. Uh, Roads and bridges, national laboratories,
1: mm-hmm.
0: college scholarships, That's right all those things should be part of our agenda and our uh, economic program. We're not hearing much talk about that from your party. When you look at the budget priorities, where the, where, the, where the Trump administration's budget has gone, you haven't seen anything on infrastructure this
1: year. How, how well, do, but, if, but if you look at what the Republican Congress has done, let's just take that. We've increased spending for biomedical research for the National Institutes of Health more than any other Congress in many, many years. Now the budget didn't, but we don't pay attention to President's budgets, whether they're President Trump or President Obama. So
0: what you guys have done on the budget in the Congress is more important than the things that the administration has been
1: Well, the administration that dis- sends a question. signal. Well, it sends a signal. Everybody pays attention to it, but it doesn't turn into anything. What we do becomes the law.
0: Steve Bannon, he's going after every Republican who supports Mitch McConnell, with one or two exceptions. Yeah. What is that all about? What
1: is he after? Uh, What do you think of that situation? I wish he'd go after Democrats. I don't see how defeating Republicans helps advance a conservative agenda. I think all of it does is create is create an opportunity for Democrats to take back over and advance the Obama agenda or the Clinton agenda or the Bernie Sanders agenda. So
0: why is the president's former campaign chief executive and top strategist doing this? Beats me. Steve Bannon says that he's going after the people who are part of the global establishment clique who look down on the blue-collar Trump voters. So how do you plead on that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, I, I, know, I know... Are you the, a globalist? I know who the Trump... Well, I'm, I'm sitting in the Bluebird Cafe 40 miles from the largest auto plant in North America. It's called Nissan, and it helped to attract a 1,000 auto suppliers to Tennessee, raised our family incomes, made us richer. Um, I went to Japan to help get it. I'm interested in us being a part of the world. That's why I think the president's gotten bad advice from Mr. Bannon or others about NAFTA. Argue with China. Argue with Japan. Leave NAFTA alone. Mexico and China have helped make us rich in Tennessee. Richer. Family. Why do you think the president doesn't get this? He gets advice from different people, and so I'm giving him other advice.
0: When I did that story, when you left the leadership, I talked to your uh, old advisor, Mike Murphy, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking about the things that made you need to leave the leadership and he said you know if voters wanted politicians with guts they'd elect them but more often than not they vote for the
1: opposite. What do you think about that? that Well I, I think the rewards today are for people who do stand up and stand on their principles and don't work together to get a result. I think that's where the rewards are but I think the satisfaction of public service is getting a result is lowering the songwriters health care premium
0: is there any prospect as you see it that the fashions of the country change so that that satisfaction uh, gets rewarded more than it
1: is right now well maybe we'll we'll see if i get up in the morning and try to do something to help the country and go to bed at night thinking i have that i've done a good day's work and in the end that's what i should be doing
0: rare among today's southern republicans lamar alexander is not a former democrat in the Civil War, his hometown of Maryville backed the Union. He was an early advocate of integration who clerked for a pro-civil rights judge. We discussed the controversy now swirling around Confederate monuments.
1: Let's talk about Confederate monuments. You, you know, I've, I take high school teachers on the Senate floor before it opens. A senator can do that. They rush to the various desks of the senators, Daniel Webster, various people. One of those desks is Jefferson Davis's desk he left the senate to be the president of the confederacy there's a chop mark in the desk because a union soldier came in when they came to washington and started chopping the desk his commander said stop we're here to save the union not to destroy it it's the best story of any of the senate desks should we take jefferson davis's desk out of the united states senate i don't think so i don't think we ought to rewrite our history. I think our heroes ought to be placed in appropriate places. So so in Tennessee, we should have the Howard Bakers and the Ben Hooks and and the Alex Haley's, somebody who represented us all. But we were all involved in the Civil War, all of our families. There's a okay. place for everybody. Understood. But do you not think that the, um, the
0: line of argument uh, that was advanced uh, by protesters in Charlottesville that's been picked up by uh, uh, candidates, some candidates in your party in other parts of the world stand for something
1: other than simply
0: uh, uh, honoring history?
1: I can tell you what I think, and I think we ought to spend more time learning about American history, Mm -hmm. uh, less time rewriting it. The The worst scores in high school today are not in math and science, they're on United States history, and we need to know who Jefferson Davis was and why slavery was wrong, and and the progress we've made since then, If we act like it didn't happen, we'll not know our country at all. Uh,
0: Are you comfortable with the message that the Republican Party under Donald Trump is sending on race right now?
1: What I'd like for President Trump to do is to do for immigration, which involves race, um, what Nixon did for China. And I've said that to him twice, and he's responded very well. He could, more than any other president I could think of right now, help us solve the immigration problem in this country we need a legal immigration system and we need to put that behind us we tried to do it in 2013 I voted for it, it would have solved many of the problems would that you we vote have for today. it again? I, I would vote for it again but it needs the president to say Let, let's solve all these problems now let's solve border security let's solve the problem of legal status let's deal with these children who were brought here uh, who didn't know they were being brought here at the time Uh, Let's make this a country of laws, let's have a legal immigration system, not a perpetual argument about who's legal and who's not. And do you see
0: any reasonable prospect that he, in fact, will take your advice? He might.
1: He he indicated that when he talked about the Dreamers. I think he wants a result on the Dreamers.
0: Your colleague, Senator Corker, recently had some very strong things to say Mm -hmm. about the president. Um, You were asked about that, and you made a joke like, oh, they should go play golf together. But I think you know this is not about two guys having a personality conflict. This is about a very serious and experienced uh, legislator of your party who says he is worried for the country Mm -hmm. about the stability, the competence of this president.
1: Is he right and are you worried also? Senator Corker is a very serious person. Mm -hmm. What he says is worth listening to always. Uh, The president does things and says things that I don't do and that I don't approve of. But he was elected by the people. And I spend my time, for example, trying to work with him and with Democrats, with whom I don't agree, to get a result on health care so I don't have songwriters in Nashville who can't afford insurance. I think that's the best way for me to spend my time.
0: Are you worried about uh, nuclear crisis with North Korea and somebody who is not up to the job making the decisions. In well, let's,
1: let's give the president a chance. His Asian trip seems to have gone pretty well. Uh, so f- from what I've been able to tell, I think most presidents who arrive thinking they're going to deal just with domestic issues, I think of Bill Clinton, I think of Ronald Reagan, end up dealing mostly with issues they've never thought much about and some become very good at it, as President Reagan did, having very little foreign policy experience to start with. So let's see if the president's style of things gets a better result in North Korea.
0: You don't think he is a unique case in terms of the um, potential peril to the country from his behavior and the way he makes decisions? Oh,
1: he's a unique case. He's completely unconventional. He doesn't do things, as I said, the way I would do them, nor the way I would rather presidents act. But he was elected by the American people. Right. Is he dangerous? I'm not going to sit here and say he's a dangerous man. He's a a man that the American people entrusted with the president and I'm going to try to help him succeed. I talked to a
0: um, Republican member of Congress the other day Mm -hmm. said when was talking about the comments by Corker, Flake, McCain, Mm -hmm. uh, colleagues of yours who are not running for re-election who said very uh, uh, alarming things about the president worried out loud i said when when are you gonna see people who are not leaving the congress do that and his answer was simply bob Mueller. when bob Mueller comes back with something serious that's when you're gonna see everything change is that right
1: and i'm not going to be one more person spending most of my time worrying about an investigation that we have a special prosecutor undertaking that we have the intelligence committee undertaking let them do their job i'll, I'll do my job you came to office as governor
0: You. you were elected and took office early because the outgoing governor uh, was behaving corruptly and uh, there was an intervention uh, by uh, people in both parties to try to deal with that situation. Do you have any concern that uh, Donald Trump uh, and the situation we're in now could turn into a Ray Blanton situation? Well, I
1: certainly hope not. I mean, what was happening in Tennessee at that time was, as you know, The governor was selling pardons for cash, and he later went to jail for selling whiskey licenses for cash, and his general counsel went to jail for selling pardons for cash. I don't think we have that situation in in the White House today.
0: Like all Senate Republicans, Alexander's been alarmed by the fierce political storm next door in Alabama. Suddenly, they all face the possibility that a man accused of sexual misconduct with teenagers may become their colleague, holding a critical vote for the party's agenda. Roy Moore, the Republican nominee, You've doubtless seen that in uh, conservative media and in some Republican politicians in Alabama in particular have said, well, it's he, he said, she said, uh, it's not that big a deal, it was consensual. Um, uh, what does that tell you about the state of... Partisanship in the country that you have that kind of a
1: reaction. It tells me we've got an internet democracy where anybody can say anything and usually get heard today. So, uh, my view on it is the charges as detailed seemed well documented and serious. If he doesn't step aside based on what you
0: know, would you? Uh, if this happened in your state, would you urge voters to vote for the that, Democratic that's candidate? Much,
1: that's much too hypothetical. I don't urge voters in Tennessee to vote for anybody. They didn't elect me to tell them how to vote. But you, you personally, wouldn't rather have Doug Jones as your colleague in
0: the oh, Senate than uh,
1: than uh, Roy Moore. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to start getting it. The people of Alabama are going to elect their United States senator. I support. Uh, Obviously, I like having a Republican majority, but in this case, you've got a problem that needs to be resolved. Senator, thanks so much. Thank you, John. That's it for this edition of CNBC's Speakeasy
0: podcast. Thanks for listening. For more of my Speakeasy interviews, be sure to subscribe through your preferred podcast service. We'll talk soon.